Welcome to episode 11 of Sullivan Street, part two of two of our Recovering the Satellite Celebration, Deep Dive, etc. Uh, we got our group of five, and uh, in progress we have uh, coming up little deep analytics into what we believe are the top eight songs from the album. We get some trivia about it, what the songs mean to us, etc. Uh, also near the end, we got Zephyr and uh, Florida Eric talking about some of their experiences uh, meeting the Crows. And of course, Jeff Harkness is the guest, and he's great about knowing some of the history behind the album and the songs. Enjoy. Take the way home, leads back to Sullivan's So we've gone through six or seven, one, two, three, four, five, six songs, eight to go. Uh, now we're into what I'm calling the top two tiers. Okay. So there's three songs in my next tier, and then there's a top five, three songs in the t- tier two. So here we go on this, uh, this one, this was, um, okay. One person had this very low, two of us had it in the middle and two of us had it very high. So let's see where we go here. And um, the the contrarian on this one, don't worry, there's some other contrarians coming up. The contrarian on this one, again, Rain King author Jeff Harkness, who had Miller's Angels as his lowest. I had it in the middle at seven and so did uh, Zephyr. And then uh, Florida Eric and Chris, both number four, Miller's Angels. Hmm. So let's, let's, let's start with Chris of having this at number four. So again, I think this is, Similar to Mercury, a very, very difficult song to rank for me because I think it's a great song on its own. But most importantly, and the reason why this is number four is in part, that last section, um, which is used as an alt in Mr. Jones, uh, in the acoustic versions, used as an alt in Perfect Blue Buildings, I think is some of Adam's, in terms of his lyrics, um that has always deeply, deeply affected me. Um, specifically, uh, where is it? There it go. Um, can't you hear me? Because I'm screaming and I didn't go outside yesterday. Don't wake me. Please don't wake me because I was dreaming and I might just stay inside again today. I don't go out much these days. Sometimes I stay inside all day. And like, first of all, um, in terms of songs that are pandemic appropriate, um, <laughs> nothing better. Um, and I, I, I've said, I think this record, this, the weird sense of isolation, um, that's in this record that, and, and here's just sort of a, one thing I want to point out here. Adam talked a lot about this record being about a, a record about him coming to grips with fame. I think if he hadn't have said that so much, a lot of these lyrics are very, um, open to interpretation and and paint a picture that is not just about like, well, I'm famous now and that's awkward. It's really about sort of isolation and longing and um, feeling sort of distant from yourself. And I think this song is a spectacular version uh, of that. Um, and again, just the way it's used, like at the end of Perfect Blue Buildings, I think if you put those two songs, when you put those two things together, that actually is very, very high on my list of sort of counting crow- the, the the live version of Perfect Blue Buildings that has this. Um, so yeah, I I just think that that aspect is so perfect, and I think that's what sort of drove it. 
up the list for me at, at number four. Chris, that, that's I think this might be one of the first times that we are 100% in agreement. We're, we're usually like 80%, which is good. It makes us better hosts. But I agree with you. that when, And the way he sings it, actually, also, mm, not only yes. the lyrics, but that is really hard to... That like, but I'm screaming, and I, I just he gets the tone right with all of it. With and and to me, yeah, I don't know. I to me that was kind of um, show stopping. I guess the first couple of times I heard. End of this day, it just sounds very real, feels very real. And as someone who, you know, a lot of people think I, you know, I can be very gregarious and the center of attention when I'm at a party atmosphere, but I also have no problem just literally not leaving the four corners of my room for days. And I really, really, you know, from either depression or whatever, and really relate to that. So uh, yeah, that's partly yeah. how I ranked it. Number seven. Well, um, in that aspect that they're with, he's there's, you can hear it different live at different times, but in that recorded version, he's whispering, can't you hear me? Cause I'm screaming. Yes. Which is an incredible delivery. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, Jeff, we'll we, we'll get your take on the. Uh, I know you still like the song number fourteen. All right, yes, um, and and as I listened to the album too, I wondered whether I should have moved it up a little bit in the rankings. Um, a little bit of history. One one is this is the one song on the album that features David Emmerglock, who plays pedal steel mm-hmm. and mandolin. Um, this was not recorded in the house. This was recorded at a studio oh. in San Francisco. The song itself was not written for the album. It was uh, recorded before the album, and it was written for uh, The Crossing Guard, the Sean Penn uh, movie. Uh, he was friends with Adam, and Adam played, uh, or he Sean Penn played Adam a cut of the movie when they were pl- opening for the Stones in uh, New York. And um, Adam wrote this, Adam, and I think it was Dan Vickery, wrote this song that night or the next night in a hotel room. Uh, the whole band recorded it out in San Francisco. And it was supposed to, I believe, close the film. But at the last minute, Sean Penn used a Bruce Springsteen song instead. So um, basically, I mean, this is a song that even though I, I do uh, like it, in some ways, kind of like I think Children in Bloom is another example where it wasn't really this song was not really intended for the album. But Adam was like, well, we can kind of wedge it in here and it'll, we'll just kind of put it in here and it'll become, you know, part of, you know, whatever suite it's part of. So to me, it always stood aside for that. I do have to mention, though, that it's an incredible vocal performance. And um, listening to it, I wondered, like, did I rank this too low? You know, should I have put this a little bit higher? Because, you know, as we've all said, this is an album where there really aren't any bad songs. So. I think I know there's probably been other songs that had it, but looking at the lyrics and, and I'm trying, I've been looking at the lyrics as we're going through songs. And this is one of the first times that, um, and I think it comes up a lot later, particularly in somewhere on the wonderland and a few other songs in hard candy where, you know, the, the kind of pervy lot, you know, that Miller's fingers are traveling down the length of her, her thigh, but not only, but while he's saying that the, 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 the music behind it, you can almost feel the finger moving at least i can like down her thigh it's not just him saying it somehow like i i say that about palisades park when he talks about shimmying down the like to me i can feel him shimmying with the music but that, that that's just me a little bit i, I think that i think they capture movement a lot and I, i'm gonna mention that actually in, in a song that's we still have yet to talk about um florida eric your, your thoughts on miller's angels i think it's fantastic the six and a half minutes of goodness and you know august is my favorite album and i think chris you know brought up so well that it fits right in with you know they've done it with round here and perfect blue buildings and 
it's really a bridge between to me between the two albums which is which is great for an august lover like me but uh the the lyrics are great vocals are great um like you said i, I can also sense him moving or your brain is imagining somebody moving along with the lyrics and i think it's fantastic uh Zephry. yeah this one i actually was struggling to figure out where to put it. I moved it around a lot in my in my rankings because it's just such a beautiful song. I mean, it just again, th this band is like just a master of dynamics and taking you on a musical journey. You can either listen to the lyrics or you can just hear the the passion in Adam's voice. And sometimes I do both. Um, but this, I just all the different areas this song takes you. It's just it's a musical journey, and I love all the little. There's like little guitar swells and then i think yes. right at the end of the don't come around here part it maybe it's emmy i don't know it's, it sounds like a like a like a 12 string there's some like little like three or four strums of some guitar i don't know what that is maybe a 12 string or something right and let's go to let's go to jeff i have something to add to that but jeff let's go to you first oh uh well i was just gonna add that the the song itself you know, Adam said that it was written for the crossing guard. Um, but I, I always assume maybe he had the lyrics or something because it doesn't really co you know, match up with anything in the film. When I was at the um, Las Vegas show, you know, whatever it was a couple of months ago uh, at the soundcheck, somebody asked Adam, I think jokingly, they said, uh, cause he was, he was taking questions and someone asked is Miller's angels about Millard powers you know um <laughs> and of course it's like well he wasn't in the band so i don't think so but adam's response was no um you know that movie the crossing guard it's about the guy in that so that's 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 what adam says is that it is about uh the crossing guard although i have to say i it, it's hard to find find it but that's what he said zephyr you you brought up a great point here and i'm not saying i don't like like you know, I mean, I loved Raining in Baltimore, and that's basically just him and the piano, right? And and I, you know, I joke that song used to make me cry. But the one interesting thing that Miller's Angels could have been just a piano song, right? Mm -hmm. And you're what you said is exactly right. They add just enough sound sound to the right parts that I think really that's why this you know shoots up for me as as an amazing song uh, for a ballad. So. Um, okay, great. So let's go to number seven. We're at the basic halfway point, or we just crossed the halfway point. And um, as much as I just said to Chris how I'm so glad we 100% agreed on this, this next one is the one that makes me want to invite none of you back for the next one. Maybe, Jeff, you can only give the history and then quit. Chris, maybe you'll call out sick. Because this is, we. I'm the first person to lose my number one choice. Okay. So here we go. The song that Chris, though, oh, Chris, I will let you come back on because you did have it in your top five, just not number one. Mm -hmm. But um, Jeff had it in the middle, Zephyr in the middle, and Eric quite low. Um, Recovering the Satellites. I, yeah, I adore this song. And it, it probably when the album came out, I probably would have had it at, like number seven. And I remember telling my friend, I think we were getting ready for this desert life or we were listening to this desert life when it first came out. But then I said, Oh, let's, let's put in recovering just to change it up. And um, I remember saying, I said, there's something you really unique. I forget. There's one of the earlier songs. One of you said like such a unique song. And I felt that way about recovering the satellites. I I've never heard anything like this. I, 
Uh, when you guys go, I'll look up again some of the lyrics, which I think are some of, of the best. I think, Chris, this is a great example of um, exactly what you just said before, that it's really about him kind of trying to, I don't know, find himself or re, you know, re get after fame. But I think you can interpret it to anything. His references to his, you know, the mother and, um, and the extra, the, for lack of a better word, the satellite sound effects hmm. that, that go along during, it still blows me away how appropriate and, um, key timing they are. Um, but before I gush too much, I'll, I'll move on to Chris who also had it in the top five. Yeah, I had I had it fifth. I think it's a a great tune. Interesting sort of story um, that Adam told uh, before what they played it one time this summer. That apparently this song, or at least the bones of it, dates actually maybe the earliest because he had someone send him a cassette of August and everything after the song, thinking maybe this it would fit on the album, and he decided that didn't work. But this was on the flip side that he'd written this song, or at least the bones of it, um, in like. 93 or something and now just seemed very appropriate for where he was he'd sort of left these this breadcrumb of a song that how could he have possibly known how it would make sense to him several years later um yeah i th- and i think it's interesting this one's very much a it's it's very amb- ambiguous but it, it paints this beautiful picture of that sort of disconnection and and the longing i, I particularly like live um the way he'll sing um, you're everybody's satellite. God, I wish that you were. My- There's some particularly good versions where he really nails that line. Yeah, I've always just kind of and, felt that weird. I don't know, just certain a kind of connection to that one. So yeah, yeah it, and it, there's something so unique about the song, and that's why like the album is named that, and then the the, the symbol right, the recovering the satellite shooting star, which he mentions. It's so it's so uh, um, it's so Cannon Crows if you're a hardcore fan. And, and as you said, this is a song that they actually reference. There, there's a reference to Monkey in here. There's another, an- I mean, he loves referencing angels. Um, but I like that it catches on things, again, that you could relate, even if you're not a star or an ex-star, like about coming, it's a coming home to the sleepless town. I think someone that goes back mm-hmm. to visit a town that you're from and you don't feel connected to anymore, but you kind of do. Again, how your mother, if you're turned into a different person, how your mother might recognize how you're kind of desperate. and and uh, But then also, you know, a reference to a lover, I think, when do you see yourself in me and we're so messed up, right? You and me. So, um, and then I guess if you're thinking about mortality, which I do actually as a, just as a human and part of my work as an aging scholar, I guess, but you know, that we only see when he's saying about being famous for you're only in orbit for a moment of time, but I, I know that, but I also related to our life, right? How we're only in mo- uh, orbit for a moment of time uh, and that you're eventually going to go come down. That, that's how I interpret it, uh, even though I know it's about him. But uh, Jeff, uh, let's go to you. Yeah, this was maybe one of the first songs where I was like, this really needs to be higher on my list. I don't know how this ended up so low on my list. I still am not sure because it's one of the ones where you go, this could have been in my top five, you know. Um, it's a great song. It's, um, you know, uh, it does, uh, as you say, sort of reference all these other songs. In some ways, it's a, a unifying uh you know, song and you can see why they, you know, used it as the title track for the album. And really in some ways it's what it is this theme of the album of like trying to find our, uh, you know, our way back from this craziness of fame. One little piece that I really, really love about this song and you got to get the headphones on to hear it is that it's very much a, a, a live, you know, take 
and Adam's kind of urging the band on at the end. But in the very last one, listen in the headphones, he says, last one. And you can yeah, hear yeah. it. And, he, and now the band closes out, you know, he calls, calls the band to the end. So you really hear, you know, I mean, they're really just playing this in the studio. And, you know, when Adam calls it, the song to an end, that's when they end it. You know, you know, you're listening to a real band here. So this was one to me that I just went, I don't know how this ended up so low on my list because it's, it's one of my favorite songs on the album, honestly. Florida, Eric, your take on recovering the satellites. I kind of agree with Jeff. It kind of falls under for me, the horse dreamers blues category where I should have rated a little bit higher. Cause, cause it, like I said, it is really good. And I think there's almost a bridge to where Chris was saying, you know, when he goes back to his old life, you know, he's changed and maybe the town's not the same and people don't view him the same. And I think the desert life deals with that. So it's almost like a like a like a, um, a harbinger or foreshadowing of of themes to come on this desert life. But, uh, you know, I told you recently we've had a uh, illness in my family diagnosed. So that that line of, um, you know, mortality really kind of hits with me, too, as I listen to it to prepare for the pod. So, uh, yeah, overall, it's a great song. Maybe I should have rated a little bit higher, but it's solid. Zephyr. Yeah, I agree with you guys. This was another tough one to place. I could easily have put it higher. Um, but this song, like, obviously we all know Adam's known for changing up melodies live over the years. And this one in particular, I think he's probably changed the melody up the most with the verses, hmm. uh, mostly the verses. And so to me, I love go looking at Nugs and finding different versions of different songs. And this one in particular, because it almost has like a different feel, it like elicits a different emotion, a different feeling when you listen to the different eras of the song, you know, the satellites tour, he was singing it more like the album, but even, you know, on the desert life tour, there's some versions where he's singing it a little bit differently. And so it kind of has a different feeling to it. And, you know, it's obviously a song about their little satellite that came crashing to the ground, getting it back up. And it's almost like the second part of Mr. Jones in a way, because it's talking about, okay, now mm. we've, we've got our fame and mm, what does that mean? True. That doesn't solve all of our problems, but it's something that we have to deal with. We can't run away from it. And they, they, they talked about after the first tour, how there's an interview. I think, I don't know if it's on YouTube anymore where Charlie called up Adam. He's like, Hey, you want to write some songs? And Adam's like, Oh, I'm not in the band right now. Like he was tending bar at the Viper room or something like he was taking that time. So I think this song is a, is a really interesting take on, you know what, we are famous and that is weird. And it's definitely not what we thought it might've been when we wrote Mr. Jones, but we have to find a way to, to deal with it and to use it to our advantage in the sense of reaching people. And I think this song can reach you whether you're famous or not, you know, whatever happens in your life, this song can kind of be a cool way of like telling you that it might be different than you thought, but here's how you get through it. Great. No, thank, thank, thanks so much. I'm very glad you all did appreciate my song, even if you didn't have it uh, ranked <laughs> as high as me. Uh, so, okay, you get a pass on, on that. I love what you all said about it. Um, so the last song of tier two, which would be number six on our ranking, is one that I thought absolutely for sure would be in the top five. It snuck a little bit outside of the top five, mostly because of Chris. So let's, let's see what it is, um, which is, um, okay. So, which is Angels of the Silences. Couple, three of us had it in the top five. Jeff had it number eight, and Chris number thirteen. Uh, so let's start with Chris. Actually, I'll say, yeah, let's start with Chris just for fun. Uh, well, I know, no, I know you love the. Okay, you, you want to brief? Yeah, I really know. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'll just keep you. I really like the acoustic version. I was really enjoying it, and as I was doing the rankings, I was just kind of surprised. I was just, I couldn't 
it didn't seem like it was pulling up above anything. And I was just like, well, I guess I guess that's where it lands. I have something has to be 13th. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised at it, too. And uh, I, I don't certainly don't hate the song. Um, but yeah, just sort of fell below other things. So I'll, I'll turn it over to the people who <laughs> appreciated this one more. Right. Uh, Jeff, let's let's go to you. And of course, by the way, this was supposed to rank the album version of the song. So, because some people like Angels as their favorite from the uh, acoustic stuff. So, uh, Jeff, your thoughts on Angels of the Silences? Yeah. Oh, I love it. And another one where, to me, I went, how is this not higher on my list? Because I, I think it's great. To me, to me, this song is, again, a kind of of a pair with Have You Seen Me Lately. It's a real hard rocking uh, song, one of the two on the album. Exactly. I just, always thought of them as a pair. Yeah, yeah, really rocks hard. And so, you know, of those two, which one? And for me, this landed a little bit lower than Have You Seen Me, but I love it. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the, one of my thoughts on this, this song and, and Have You Seen Me Lately is it's like, that's not really their lane. This isn't really where the Counting Crows are you know in their comfort zone they're they're this is a little you know up tempo for them in terms of um you know where they're comfortable and i think it's very successful i think there are other songs where they've attempted to do this um where it hasn't worked as well but here it really clicked it's like yeah you guys are are able to pull this off and you have to be a really really hot band that's toured for about 18 months to to pull off a song like this and they do it so I love it. Uh, Florida Eric. I had a number five, as you know, and I think it's a perfect marriage of my love with the crows with nineties rockers. It's almost like, you know, like a Pearl jam S song, but you know, written and performed by the crows. So it's a marriage of, you know, two of my first loves. I thought it was, I think it's fantastic. It really kind of goes uh, along well with catapult as well. Yeah. Zephyr, your, your take. Yeah. I, I love this song. I, I couldn't put it higher because I put it at four. The ones I have above it, those are kind of all in the number one and two category. I just had to rank them. But this song I actually played when I went to Musicians Institute in Hollywood for a little mock audition with one of the producers. This is one of my guitar songs that I chose. I think it's phenomenal guitar work on this song. Um, and I just love the energy and the drive. And I think, yeah, like like Jeff, you were saying how it's definitely different for them in terms of how heavy it is. And Eric, you were saying kind of Pearl Jam esque, but I think that shows their versatility. It shows that we can play anything and we do it with a hundred percent and we do it well and we do it right. It's not like, Oh, they tried this and it didn't work. And then you got the acoustic version of angels of the silences, which is amazing as well. And a totally different, you know, variation of that song. So it, it just shows how incredibly, gifted of songwriters these musicians are yeah i had angels at number four and um besides just being a great rocker and like the change of tune right like the change of tone a lot of uh, a couple times in the song even with the ending the i'm gone i'm gone is is a great ending to the song that wasn't shown earlier uh in the song i uh obviously which he mentions now the earlier reference the first reference to michelangelo which he brings up you know in a later Mm -hmm. album uh, one thing I used to love about the song when I was younger and still do is I could feel the silhouettes and the angels coming into his head a little bit when he was talking about that. Like I, yeah. that imagery actually, 
as, as you kind of said in the beginning, Zephyr, some of his, I don't know if it's his singing or the imagery, and it, later he talks about sucking his blood and breaking his nerve. Maybe that not as much. Uh, but uh, yeah, any, anyway, it, it, it always hits me. It, it's definitely, it's one of those songs that I will never skip when, I, when I'm listening. Oh, yeah, to the album. So it's a reminder of what I mean, punk bands like the Crows and like, if there's any song of theirs that actually sounds like a punk band could kind of play it straight, it's probably Angels of the Silences. You know? Yeah. And now we have reached the top five of our official rankings in big quotes, because the five of us <laughs> came up with it, of the of the Recovering the Satellites album. Um, this is what I'm calling the tier one, because there was uh, some big separation between the number five and number six song. And all of these were, you know, just a few points uh, separated. Um, I think there's only one, in my guess, uh, I mean, the order was a little surprise to me, but I think there's only one song that was kind of a surprise. I mean, you can guess what's in the top five. I kind of thought Angels would be in the top five and this other song would not be, but it's not the case. Uh, so let's go with number five. And this is where the group broke my heart a second time because uh, my number two, at least it made the top five, but my number two and um, somebody else had this as a number two. But it was brought down by two of you having in middle rankings and one of you having a slightly low ranking, which is Counting Crow's kickoff song, Catapult. Um, I have lots to say, but let's let's go to Zephyr first, who also, with me, understood that this is the second best song <laughs> on Recovering the Well, it's all opinions. It's hard. I mean, at this point, the top five songs, yeah. it's, it's very hard to, to rank them. But yeah, this song has grown on me over the years, and they played it during the sound check at the show. Um, it was cool to hear, and they opened with it. So it was cool to hear it in soundcheck where there's nobody in there and they're kind of, you know, testing their sound and testing their mixes and stuff and then hearing them perform it. Uh, I just love this song. I mean, it's it's so high energy. What a way to kick off this second album. And I think when you, when I first listened to the songs, probably the first song off the album, you're like, whoa, this is a very big direction from like anything else they've done at, up to this point. Um, and I just love the guitar work. I mean, especially when Emmy joined the band, they have three guitars and there's all different parts going on. And I love how high energy the chorus is. And at the very end of the song, they've changed the format a bit live. They have some breaks and some stops that they started doing maybe in the early yes. 2000s. Um, and that just makes it makes an amazing song even more amazing. So I have nothing to say to this song, but I just I was singing at the top of my lungs, driving the people next to me nuts half the show because I was just belting out all these songs but i just i just love catapult i really have nothing more to say than just such a great song yeah i'd like to i'd like to find out for sure i always got the impression that jim was the one that kind of changed the way that they mm. play that actually but i could be wrong i i'd like to, with those little stops and he had some extra drums i thought the same as you like one thing i love about this song is like you hear it well i mean you're right even though it's a rocker it also starts very slow too it's not like a rocker the whole time like have you mm. seen me lately in angels like it's like has that less slow and the organ but even when it starts i'm like okay this is not the august and everything after album you know that oh, yeah. right away and him talking about being cut like you know uh, the knife that cuts into his hand and um you know somebody save me please and a little bit of that 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 angst is really coming out i guess i i, I know the 
the yeah the first album has a lot of his personality but this feels like more angst i guess and maybe even a little of that mental and i and of course i love that the last line about the i want to be the last thing you hear when you're fall, falling asleep i think that's that's definitely one of his best uh lines so i don't know i love catapult i love i love that they still uh, kick off some shows with catapult you know not a lot but maybe like one out of ten or something like that they they've never really taken it out of mm. the rotation too much uh, Chris, let's go to you. Who uh, you're the one that had this a little lower, and oh no, no, sorry, sorry, you had it in the middle. You had it in the middle. Yeah. At, at eighth, um, and it's in. I will say it's to me. We'll talk about this when we get there. I I feel like I had a top three, and there was a, a kind of a bunch of stuff, like kind of bunched in the middle. Um, yeah, I I love I, my favorite part of the song is the intro. Is that like a just is yeah. it like a mellotron? It's a real mellotron too in the recording. It's, it's Right. Well, as we talked about, they spent a lot of money on this. They they weren't going right. to get a fake Mellotron. This is a real – we're not screwing around. Um, yeah, and I, again, I this is actually, I think, to me, one of those songs when people talk about, like, oh, it's a song about, like, fame. It's like, no, this is a song about, like, again, disconnection and the feeling and, and feeling lost and all these things that are uh, specific to Adam but very, very universal and very – it. it this is one of those songs to me that paints a feeling, um, even if you can't connect to the words quite exactly. You're like, I don't know, do I? What does it mean to be scattered from a catapult? I don't know exactly, but it it affects and it works mm. in, in that way. And I guess it is kind of the companion song to recovering, which is why, right? Because like satellites mm. and catapults and these like metaphors, and I think both of them are kind of rockers, but kind of slow and have this other imagery. And I just realized, I mean, I guess I knew it, but I mean, yeah, and catapult, <laughs> wait, catapult, unless I'm missing something, references three weapons, a revolver, a knife, and a <laughs> catapult. So, uh, mm. so um, right, it's a little different than him, you know, talking about you know whatever in uh, in Ghost Train or yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, Jeff, do you uh, your take on catapult? Yeah, I think uh, the perfect opener. I had it ranked number ten. Uh, so it's another song that probably could have been higher, but. One thing is, I think it's it's like a jam, not necessarily a song. Um, it you know it has yeah. this great build, but it's kind of built around this riff and this idea more than it's like a song. And that's what makes it such a good opener to the album is the build that it it provides. There's a little echo of kind of around here with that mellotron, and um, in some ways, to me, I one of the things I really appreciated about appreciate about it as the opener is that it's kind of a an answer or a response to a murder of one, which closes out August, you know, in that song, he's kind of saying, Hey, do I want to make something of, of myself and make something of my life? Um, and in this song, he says, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do that. I have ambitions. Like you've never could even believe I want to be the last thing that you hear when you're falling asleep on the radio. You know, I want to burn the whole, thing down you know so i i do love uh so much about this song i i don't i can't really justify uh, ranking it other than you know the same thing where do you where do you put all these great songs but i think to me it's the perfect opener for this album yeah great uh florida eric your take on catapult i had it i had it at six it's also a really really good song and jeff brought up a really great point of being almost like a part two to murder of one, which is one of my favorite all time kind of gross. I, I never get tired of that song. It's fantastic. But Eric kind of took my line of, um, 
you know, thinking it's, you know, the build up slow and thinking it's going to be one way. And I remember going to, like I said, Specs record store, grabbing the CD, I come home, tear off the plastic. I threw in the CD player. It's like such an August lover. I'm going to be, it's like an August part two. Oh no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Which is fine. Which is fine. But uh, I think it's a, it's a great song to open up an album. If you want to have a, like a differing album than the feel of, of August. And uh, I think it's well done. I had, like I had said, I had it at six. I probably could have had a little bit higher, but. Yeah, one thing, and well, I'm going to talk about one other change when we go to the next, when we go to the top four. But one thing that's so weird for me is I, I can't explain it, but in the in in the August rankings, I had the top three as you know, the top two would be the most poppy songs. I had I had Mr. Jones and Ring King as my top two, and then Anna Begins, which is very soft, and and here, you know, the 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 two songs I write ranked recovering and catapult aren't poppy at all, I guess. So, so you know, that's just how it moves me, which is uh, one great thing about the crows. Okay. Number four, this is the one that I thought was a little bit of a surprise. I thought it was going to be like seven or eight ended up being number four. And part of this was because one person had this as their number one song, which is Zephyr. The song, a single, like I said before, Daylight Fading. So uh, Zephyr, and, uh, and I'm kind of glad to see it in the top five because I think it's almost a forgotten about Crow's song. Um, and Zephyr, please uh, say why you had it as your favorite song. Yeah, this song, the melody just is haunting to me. It's so beautiful. And I remember when I was first listening to this album, that opening kind of country guitar riff caught me right away. And it starts, it starts in, I think, the key of G, if I remember correctly. But then it goes to that E minor. There's that E minor section. So it's like happy and sad. And so to me, this song is the perfect blend of happy and sad. And it blends the two emotions that we all feel at all times. And, you know, happiness is fleeting. Sadness, when it it comes, it feels like it's going to stay forever. But then the next day you're happy again or something. So this song blends those two elements so beautifully. And I love Dan's harmonies throughout not only the chorus, but the verses. And it's just one of those underrated songs that a lot of people I've shown this song to, and they're just like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, more for me. I just love this song. It just, it's so beautiful. And it's, I love how it goes happy and sad. It's just a beautiful, perfect song. I mean, some record exec must have thought the same because they released it as, um, you know, yeah. one of their singles. So, so you're not the only one. Let's go, let's go to, um, who else had it in the top five? Jeff, you did. So let's get your take. Oh, are you muted there, Jeff? Did you mute yourself? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yep, you're back. <laughs> that opening lick, it's like that's what Dan Vickery brings mm-hmm. to the for the proceedings. You know, it's it's such a great song. To me, this is a, and I love the lyrics, the you know, moonlight creeping on the lawn, and you know, just these beautiful lyrics. I, I agree, it's one of their best best songs, one of my very favorite ones from this album. Um, it brings something new to their sound, which is there's a little bit of Rain King here, but also it's got this kind of like country sound that we haven't heard before, but that becomes a huge part of their sound for the rest of their career. And here, you know, you really start to see that, you know, come out for the first time. Although, you know, there were always echoes, but I think here it's a little bit more overt. And so, yeah, I think it's one of their best ones. Also, it's a theme that will come up again and again, but I, I see this song as really very much about touring and about hitting the road and going on the road mm. with the band. And he revisits this theme again and again. 
um, but come around is another example. And so, you know, the, the lights are going down and we're about to hit the road and go waste another year. And, and um, it's kind of a celebration of, of the band and being on the road. And it, again, that makes it so perfect for an album like this, which was, you know, born of live performances and, and the band really coming together on the road. A good, good call, uh, Zephyr, with your hauntingly beautiful. I, I never really thought of that about, uh, and I had this as number five, and I think you're exactly right. Uh, you're both, uh, you know, for some reason, I don't know why I never realized until, I don't know, maybe five years ago, 22 years after it came out, that the country influence, I guess I didn't think about that. And to this day, it's uh, like, you're right, Jeff. Of course, the country influence grows in later albums. This might be my favorite song of them that perfectly blends, I think, country and rock for them um, in a way that maybe they didn't have that great balance. I, I guess I'll, I'll mention before we move to Chris that that one verse, I guess officially it's the third verse or whatever that um, is, I think it's classic uh, that she said, everybody loves you. Uh, she said, everybody cares, but all the things uh, I keep inside myself that vanish in the air. If you tell me that they'll wait for me, I say I won't be there. I want to say goodbye to you. Goodbye to all my friends. Goodbye to everyone I know. I, I just think that's that's one of their best. Uh, Chris, your take on yeah. the song. I Again, another one that I, again, I had this sort of right in front of Catapult, interestingly enough, on my list. It was at number seven. Um, people have mentioned, I think, agreed that Dan's guitar work is great here. I think this is a great guitar solo. I, I think he, every mm. time it's... Um, it's one of Dan's to me like highlights that I, I think he really, it's a, a really beautiful guitar work in the middle of the song there. Um, and yeah, that, that haunting that again, this is another one like catapult in a lot of ways. That's very much a feel song to me. Like this could be about touring, but this could, this could be about so many different things, but it's really, there's a certain feeling that yes. kind of gets into you listening to the song that um, has always, affected me again even if i couldn't exactly tell you what i think it's about or mm. what it's about to me you know eric your take uh, on the song well it's a common theme i, I could have had it a little bit higher i really didn't dislike the song at all in fact i have in my notes I, when i listened to it uh, you know for three or four times trying to get ready for the show it reminded me of another uh band in the 90s that i love that you guys kind of agree or disagree um they kind of had a little bit of a country influence out of arizona oh, love that. yeah hmm yeah. yeah, so to, to me, it had a Gin Blossom feel to it. It really, it could have been a Blossom song, to be honest with you. And I love them, so therefore, if the Crows are doing, I'll definitely love it. So mm -hmm. um, I thought the themes were good. The guitar riff at the beginning, like I said, major to minor, I kind of noticed that too. And it, it was really good. And also, really, this really is good. the first song that implements strings, because I don't think, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, is there any strings on August? I don't recall. I don't think so. At the bridge, where... Bryson's playing 12 string and then there's the string arrangement happening right before the guitar solo. So they're starting to implement those themes, which are a major part of their sound throughout the rest of the album and the rest of their discography too. I also said, Eric, that's a great shout out, I think to, to Jim Blossom and the way that sounds, which is such a, of that time period, there's mm. a certain, those two that, that Jim Blossoms, I feel like were very definitional. I actually saw Jim Blossoms, open for the crows at a uh a fair in minnesota oh, in 2009 cool. the taste of oh. i believe it was the taste of minnesota um oh, Chris, uh, I, yeah i uh i believe the taste of minnesota was was mostly lard there although i think i had some tacos <laughs> um but um good show good show um 
Yeah, yeah th- this this the one thing. The last thing I'll say about this song, um, and it goes back to the hauntingly beautiful and kind of, I guess, this kind of mix of what, what did you say? I guess every a mix of like yeah. happy and sad like and, and nostalgia. And one reason, one reason I really get that. I, this is kind of a weird take, but I, maybe you'll agree. Is that this is also the last time in their career, which is pretty early, that they would release a song like this as a video do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like where it's not a super poppy like hanging around or accidentally love or big yellow taxi or american girls this is a kind of like you know th- you know this is the kind of single you release when you think you're going to release six singles from the album or something like that or four singles right mm-hmm. at least in my opinion mm-hmm. um because not one that stands out right away so something and, and it's a fact that yeah so the fact that they had a video that you can actually watch it, but it's one that nobody knows. And as you said, kind of unappreciated. Um, it actually makes me a little nostalgic of when Counting Crows were kind of on top of their game, actually, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe this was released right after Long December, I think. So, um, yeah, so that's so, so you know, even though they're still number one in my heart, uh, as far as maybe the American influence, I guess, in some ways, kind of showed the, near the top of that. Um, okay, we'll go to the top three. Here we go. Now, I will say before we get into it, Jeff, you'll see that I'll have my revenge later on some of these, (laughs) how the rankings played out. And believe me, I put my rankings before everybody else. Um, So you all know what the top three are if you've been paying attention, but the order of it may be somewhat surprising. So this one, uh, somebody had it as their first. I had it in the bottom, geez, I guess bottom five, which many Crows fans would say, are you out of your mind? Uh, and I'll start, Let's and everybody else had it near the middle, uh, somebody in the top five. And I'll start with the person who had it number one, which is Chris Miggs, Good Night, Elizabeth. And I know it's a fan favorite, but I had it lower. But Chris, why is this the best song in Recovering the Satellites? I think this is actually, and not just one of the best songs in Recovering the Satellites, I think this is one of the most quintessential Counting Crows songs. I think if you're a fan of Counting Crows, there's very low likelihood that you do not connect to the lyrics. If you wrap yourself in daffodils, I will wrap myself in pain. And if you're the queen of California, I'm the king of the rain. It's That to me is like one of Adam's best lines. And it's I think it's obviously it's one of their best live songs. There's so many beautiful long versions of that song that I think really – but even the song sort of on the record has a lot of great things. I actually really liked that this summer he was going back to using um, one of the lines that he'd uh, dropped. Um, why can't I think of the line? But <laughs> um, the, the line that he had dropped that he went back to was... Um, oh... Like oh the moon's a satellite he had he hadn't been he hadn't said that in many oh the moon the um, sa- yeah yeah he had which is interesting because it's such a, a, a evocative line of sort of the rest of the title of the record yeah. um but yeah I yeah I just I, I've always loved this song and it, it's a you know it, it's this sense of longing and this sense of defeat um he's not speaking well of himself but he's sad about how someone else is treating him. And I think that's sort of, I don't know, it's one of the like, kind of classic ways. I also love how this song, to me, these, this song and Rain King pair together 
And if you actually listen to some of the 94 bootlegs, he actually would literally sing at the end of Rain King, good night, Elizabeth. I'm so sorry now. Um, mm. And yet to me, those two songs together, it's like the, it's like the basis of my love of the band and the basis of sort of my connection to them, that the sort of feelings that are in those two songs. So um, yeah, my, I love this song and uh, eh, number one for me. Florida, Eric, you had it number three. So let's go to you. Hey, I, I agree with Chris. This is such a fantastic song, man. It's, it's really just really great. And the the depth of the lyrics and him, you know, out on the road and then missing somebody special to him. And I just, I can really connect with it because I think I told Eric before we, we had the old chat before we uh, jumped on the pod tonight. Um, when I saw them in 97, and we'll get to that in a little bit after the after the rankings, um, I saw them with live in the 97 tour at West Palm Beach at Coral Sky Amphitheater. Um, and they played this song, and I remember I probably got my man card taken away. But remember, keep in mind, I was only 21 at the time, so keep that in mind. But I was having a long-distance relationship with this girl who lived in Carmel, California. You know, out in Carmel. I was here in Florida. And back then in the 90s, it wasn't as easy as the kids have it now with the FaceTime and all that. We didn't have that. So I hardly ever got to see her. You know, when I did, it was special. When I got to talk to her, it was special. And so when he said, you know, I will, you know, wait for you in Baton Rouge. I'll miss you down in New Orleans. I just lost it. I started crying, man. I, I just, luckily nobody saw me and everybody's partying and listening to the crows or whatever. And it was packed. It was in the lawn section and it's packed. Nobody could see me, but I just started bawling. I can't take it. And that's one of the good things that the crows, it does elicit that, elicit that emotion. And I always say the crows are like for high emotional IQ people, you know, us people that mm-hmm. can, can have empathy and sympathy for others that, or ourselves, um, will usually be into the crows. And that's just one way the song impacted me. So, I echo what Chris said. It's a fantastic song. Let's go to uh, Jeff, who had it at... Uh, oh, you had it also number... No, no. You had it at number four. Number four, yeah. Well, this was the song that moved up the highest for me in sort of revisiting this album for this podcast, um, only because I tend to be somebody who discounts uh, the hits or like the really big songs, um, because this is one of those songs that is almost so good. You can forget how good it is, you know, like one that, Oh yeah. Good night, Elizabeth. I really thought this was going to be lower on my rankings and I listened to it and I went, wait a minute, you know, like I, I forgot how great this song is. And I listened to it over and over again. In fact, kept going back to it. And, and I was like, this is not a song. This is like an achievement. You know, it's, it's, um, I do think that especially for this album with its themes and, and, uh, about, you know, the road and all that kind of stuff. And this song was really written from that perspective. Um, and his lyrics about being on the road and, and, you know, the clown out on the wire and, and his beautiful lyrics, it's really one of the best uh, songs that, that you can, that I have heard about that topic. You know, he took on a difficult task with the lyrics for this album, you know, visiting well-worn terrain. And, you know, this is an example where he just, you know, almost superseded what he was trying to do. Um, so yeah, to me, um, a masterpiece, a, a flat out masterpiece, no question about it. It could have been my number one too. And, um, yeah, yeah. Really before, good. before I get this, before I get the Zephyr, I will say that, and, and, and I guess there's not as much of it anymore because of, of maybe the way Adam's changing his songwriting to do a little more third, third person, um, but, but I love, like you said earlier, Chris, the references to other songs. And you just said, Jeff, there's another wire line, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Across the wire. He, he, um, uh, what, what else is the Cowboys are mentioned in here. And there was something else. There's, you know, there's, oh, King of the Rain. Right. Yeah. And, and right. Yeah, the callback to I, other songs. Yeah. The I satellites. Love, I love, yeah. 
I exactly yeah. right. They said the moon, the satellites, right? I it's, never, yeah. never get sick of the callback to other songs because I don't think it's excessive. The most excessive one probably is the reference to Maria and what's that six <laughs> times or something. Um, so any, any anyway, uh, Zephyr, let's go to you and your rank. I had it at number Elizabeth. six, and it's almost not fair because I. Just like everything you guys said, I, I absolutely love this song. It's just so hard when you get to the top five or six songs on this album. But I love how this song has grown over the years because on the first tour they were playing it, I don't believe they had Dan's little intro at the very beginning, which to me is just sets the tone so beautifully for this song. And then you have all the different versions over time when they went into... Um, was it Screw Your Christmas and Slip Away and now they're doing Pale Blue Eyes by Velvet Underground. So it's like all these different variations of the song have just made it even better for me. Like it's so good on the album because it's only like four and a half minutes or something. And now it's like 12 minutes with Pale Blue yeah. Eyes, but it's just so beautiful. And I love all the variations and the passion and how personal it is to Adam. And I think it resonates in some way with all the listeners too. Yeah, I think I will say my favorite, and we'll, we'll probably do a whole episode about this one at some point, but I think my favorite version, which I think they only did once, it's um, with the song Chelsea, which is obviously a, a B-side in this record, in the middle. And I think I remember being in college and sort of finding that version on some website and just listening to it like over and over, just like again and again, just like, no, nah, just let's just, I could listen to something, eh, let's just go, let's go around one more time. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a perfect song. I was uh, at Eric the um, uh, wasted in the afternoon takes me to Mrs. Potter's like waking mm. up in the middle of the afternoon. Yes, yes. Um, that's actually you know. my favorite lyric of this song. I like there's the first actual couple lines about wasted in the afternoon on a train. And sometimes I still right either I think back and when I did sometimes drink in the afternoon or sometimes when I see trains <laughs> or I'm waiting on a train I sometimes think of this song. So mm-hmm. and if I feel I like love I'm a good train. Ha- and I feel like I've done this before, especially if I was traveling in, in another country or something like this. And I feel like I'm kind of repeating the same cycle. Well, if you didn't. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try not to mention uh, that I actually had this number 10th. So um, part of that destroyed your ranking, Chris. Um, I just you know what? I like Goodnight Elizabeth. It's funny because it's funny how you and I agree on so much. But when you said like that, one of the definitive Counting Crow songs where I don't um, feel that even though I like it. And, and it's weird because I find it a companion piece in a way to. Anna Begins, and I did put Anna Begins mm-hmm. in the top three, and both of them are ballads that are huge fan favorites, and they've never really taken them away from the rotation, even though neither yeah. of them were singles. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I and I don't know why Anna Begins hits me a lot more than Goodnight Elizabeth. I have no idea. I will say, and again, it's not the only reason, but just like Anna uh, got a tribute of one of my kids' uh, name, I actually have Elizabeth as one of my child's middle names as well. So... I have two. Uh, this is the second of my Counting Crows tribute that will be passed on to my children. So um, whether they like it or not. Okay. <laughs> so no, but they. Uh, so here we go. The top two. Very exciting stuff. Now number two. Also, I was this. I destroyed. So I will go last again. <laughs> but this is a song that the rest of you all had in your top three. It ends up in number two. Adam's the only song that Adam said is a perfect song of his, which is long December. Let's go to Jeff. Who's even though the rest of you had it in the top three, it was actually Jeff that had it number one. So let's go to Jeff. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, again, this was one that I honestly, I could have put this as first or last in terms of how I rank it because 
you know, it's almost like a stairway to heaven or a let it be, or, you know, it's one of those songs that is, yes. has, you know, uh, transcended the band. And, and I, this is something that Michael Stipe said about losing my religion. He said, this is a song that became everyone else's song. It was no longer our song. It was everyone's song. And he said, because this song affected people so deeply we felt honored to play it. And we always played it at every concert because it just affected people that much and became everyone else's song. It wasn't ours. And I think long December is the one song on this album that belongs in that category of the, it's no longer the counting crows song. It's everyone's song. This is a song that's almost become a Christmas song. It's like, um, it's a, it's a classic. It's, it just supersedes it. it. It is a let it be. It's a yesterday. It's it's in that category of um, the most classic songs that have ever been written. And so to me, it's the only one on this album that really belongs in that category of like the world has adopted this song. And so to me, it, it, it's a great song and I love it. And, um, you know, Adam said it was like other than around here, one of the you know, that round here were the two songs that just completely flowed out of him and almost, uh, you know, one piece, but, um, it is, it is a, another masterpiece. And so to me, I, I felt like I had to rank it number one only because, uh, the world has decided, uh, that it's one of their best songs. Florida, Eric, you had it number two. Let's go to you. The song is on public domain, right? Jeff, everybody owns it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no, I agree with everything Jeff said. This is one of the not that there's many crow songs because, like I said, I wouldn't be here. But one of the one of the crow songs I never get tired of, like any version, you know, any live version, any you know talk show version, any you know either the the CD version, or album version. I just I love it so much. And and at first at first glance, it looks like another oh another crow suppressing song, but it's really about as you guys know, you know, longing for the year ahead and having a sense of optimism. And I just like I said, the the piano with it the lyrics, the melody, it's just a perfect plan, man. It's just a 10 out of 10 song for me. Um, I've also, I've kind of thought about it. You know, my daughter's going away to college next year. She's going to be 18 and writing a version just saying, you know, um, about her growing up and then leaving the nest, but, uh, uh as an inspiration, but it's just such a, such a great song. Great. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, I put it at number three, but it could arguably go anywhere. Um, this song Adam has said was both written and recorded in under 24 hours, which is unbelievable to think, but that tells you that such, um, you know, and he, he said it's, you know, the most perfect thing he believes he's ever written and ever will write, um, which I don't think is true, but that's what he said. And, um, it just tells you that like the best songs are just come from that, that, that place of sincerity and honesty. And this is one of those songs. I think, I think they said, or Adam said in an interview, they did like three or four takes and then just did like an overdub on the vocals. And that's it. That's what's on the record. Like, that's just insane to think of. And it's such a beautiful song. And it just really gives you that sense of hope, especially at the end of a year, especially the last couple of years we've we've all had. Um, and I think it's become everybody's song because it's so inclusive and because everybody can really grab a hold to some of if not all the lyrics certainly one of the verses if not all the verses it just it's got something for everybody and it can be interpreted many different ways and it's just beautiful and awesome to sing along with especially at their shows chris miggs your take on long december it's shocking take but it's uh, one of their best songs um i it's the 
Eric, I think before Eric had mentioned it, it's kind of amazing that they've played it as many times they have. And I have never been mad when they pulled up to play it in a show. I've never been like, oh, that one again. It's just, like Adam's right. It's just kind of a perfect song. And he, um, yeah, if, if there was one song they were going to play every night, it kind of should be that one. Um, it's interesting. A, it's probably one of the first Counting Crow songs that I really love. Like, I know I knew Round Here and Mr. Jones and like them, but I remember watching the video for this and just really finding it very affecting. And again, I'm sure that this is the song that's why I told someone to get me this CD for Christmas. Um, it's also one of the few songs that in, a, in sort of a positive way, I think is the soundtrack of, of our lives, right? That it's... I don't know if you love this song and haven't at some point thought to yourself um, about, you know, reminding yourself to hold on to these moments as they pass. Like I can literally like hear every time I hear that line, I can literally, I can think of my wife walking up on our first date and think literally thinking to myself, like, because I'd heard the song so many times at that point, it's like, this is a moment you will want to hold on to is just holding on to it. And I think of that every time it's um and connected to, all at once, you look across a crowded room and see the way that light attaches to a girl, right? One of those perfect, like, it's so simple. You can't believe no one had written that before 1995 or 96, <laughs> when every, every year he wrote it. Um, but it's it's wonderful. And again, and that idea of particularly on an album that's really about, you know, feeling dislocated and feeling losing yourself, right? That sense of maybe this year will be better than the last. You know, we're going to... There's, there's a tomorrow, there's you know, like kind of keep going is I think a very valuable feeling, especially at the end of the record, right? It's the next to last song. Mm, yeah. um, and after all this feeling of like, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't, I don't know. It's like, no, but keep going. You know, this maybe next year will be better than the last. Um, so yeah, I think it's a wonderful song. Interestingly played, they've played it live so many times. Very, very similar. I mean, he's played it solo piano a few times. Um, they added some extended bits at the end at times. Um, and there was one period, like, I think it's like 06, 07, where he was adding a little bit of, um, maybe even into 08, but adding some of, of Murder of One right mm -hmm. before the end. I will walk along these hillsides in the summer and eat the sunshine. I am feathered by the moonlight, you know, mm -hmm. and into the not a not part. Um, but it's, other than that, it's just, it's like, well... This is pretty good. Let's just do it. I liked when they started with Good Night LA so, and then what? went into that, like him solo Good Night LA. That was beautiful. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. Those there's a, the, those there's the, a lot. There's, yeah. there's such a cool thing where, like, there, every song that he plays right in front of that sounds, there's a certain way he plays that, including yeah. the one by Taylor Swift and uh, Live Forever. Um, sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, no, th th no that's fine. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I, this is, and Why I swear are you a I'm monster, a, Eric. No, where, where I'm not, a, I, I swear I'm not Let's a counting cruise. Yeah, I had it as, I hate to say, I had it as number 12. I am the count, wow. this is my counting cruise wow. contrarian. Well, it's this one in round, this one in round here, because round, but you know, I'm not too contrarian, because again, I am Mr. Jones high, so I'm not going to feel on Rain King, but round here and uh, long December, you know, I always liked long December, but it never, it like never was my top 
10 and it's probably even moved down a bit but you're i mean chris the one thing i do appreciate well you know you both said because um Zephyr said almost oh you could rec- you know you could connect to every lyric or at least some of it and i will admit chris the lyrics that you brought up were exactly the three that i love about to hold on to these moments of they pass that is absolutely classic the um uh, next year might be better than the last and the um and about the uh the light attaches to a girl those are the best. The stuff about the winter and the hospital and Hillside Manor, I just didn't connect to as much. And I, I don't know. I like the song a lot. I It's just that some of the other songs just hit me a lot more, like Catapult and Recovering. And um, yeah, Dare I had it you know, down with Horse Dreamers, Horse Dreamers Blues somehow. Um, but I do agree with you, uh, Jeff. And it's funny that you said that. I do agree that it is their Let It Be and Stairway to Heaven and losing my religion and actually those are some of my least favorite songs from there right from those bands i don't know why but i agree with you that it is that um and i yeah so so i get it but i'll, I'll trust adam that he said that it's the only perfect song and he also said it was his best song or the his best writing but then he kind of replaced that later he puts it in as you probably heard with palisades park and the current suite so now he kind of combines those or the best songs he's written but he also says this is the only perfect song he ever wrote and the only song he'll play every time, you know, basically. Yeah. So um, something to be said that anything else about long December. I'll just note, oh, one of the interesting yeah. things with long December, someone, uh, somewhere on Reddit did like a video of like, it's basically using setless.fm and of like most played songs by the band. And it's interesting as you can just watch Long December just slowly creep up over those August songs. Yep. Just slowly. Yep. At the fair where it takes, but at some point it just takes over and just nothing's touching it. <laughs> I, I'll just throw this in here, by the way, because he didn't do it on this tour. But when you were talking, I guess he did it. I thought it was only the one tour, but I guess he's done it at least uh, once. We'll talk about this when we get to the live. But one thing I absolutely am in love with Long December is the live version when they do the extended na-na-na mm. at the end. Yeah. When they jam out. I can listen to that over. It is so good. And I can listen to that over and over. And I think they did that on the uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday night tour and Sunday mornings and also on the Butter uh, Butter Miracle tour. But uh, we'll talk about that later. But that that I never get sick of. Um, anyway. OK, so that means that the number one song is a bit of a shocker because I probably because of me, because I would have probably put Long December, Goodnight Elizabeth. But um, it's one that uh, most of us had in the top five, but uh, only one of us had number one. And uh, one of us had a little lower, which is Have You Seen Me Lately? Um, and Florida Eric called this as putting his number one and ended up being number one. Uh, Eric, do you have any – please give your thoughts on it. You know you know what's funny about this song is it, it really hits me a lot different if it's the acoustic version. You know, well, this record is not the acoustic version. It doesn't hit me as much. But I remember, was it um, VH1 Storytellers or is it mm-hmm. – which album is the acoustic one off of? Uh, the Storyteller, the Cross album. a Wire. Yeah, cross wire. That's what it is. Cross yeah. a wire. I, I remember uh, hearing it for the first time in a while off uh, the Bear soundtrack of the movie of the TV show, and uh, this is fantastic. I mean, just the really encapsulates the the message of the whole album in one song. And mm-hmm. I think the slowed down, stripped down acoustic version for me hits a lot better than the uh, the electric uh, studio regular version on the album. But either way, I think it's just a fantastic song, and I think it sums up the whole entire message that the the band is trying to convey on this album. But I think it's. It was either this or Long December. I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I thought the 
decided to break it up a little bit and put this one number one and December number two, but that's the way I saw it. Well, Florida, Eric, I'll give you credit for you had one, two, and three in order, and but but Chris, you were pretty close because you also had one, two, and three. It's just that Goodnight Elizabeth was a little lower. So why did you have Have You Seen Me Lately as your second uh, favorite song? Another, to, to Eric's point, I think this is one that really shines sort of across all the versions of it. Like the way they've played it, li- the, the original version, the live upbeat versions, the um, the slowed down acoustic versions. There's even some, there were time periods where they're playing kind of in the middle. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of always works. There's something about the song that just is is great in that way. I also think these lyrics, of, of again, this is a topic he's covering on a lot of this record. But to me, this is one of the more universal expressions of it. That feeling of, I have you seen? I, I I don't know if I've even seen me. Who who am I? Where am I? What am I trying to do here? Um, that feeling of kind of disconnection. I've we talked about in the last episode. I really love this in the middle of round here too. I think those two connect so well together, mm. and the, they kind of buoy each other and, and, and push them upwards. So. Yeah, I think it's a real, and again, a really perfect song, a pandemic song to me, that feeling of like, because mm. no one's seen you, so who are you anymore kind of feeling. Um, yeah. One of the reasons why I think this record, it's very prescient, 27 years old, but feels in a lot of ways just as current as it did in 1996. Um, yeah, I think it's just a classic and uh, yeah, a number two, but I, again, I, I wouldn't argue with it as number one. Yeah, and how many people, I mean, every person, I think, like, you talk about a universal feeling. I think there's a universal feeling that, as far as I know, at least in modern American society, of that people remember you a certain way, and you've changed, or your situation has changed, but there's, but maybe they don't recognize that, and you feel that they don't recognize that. And so, have you seen me lately, right? Um, yeah, and also, I played, yeah, please. Well, you know what's interesting about that, that, that feeling of change, but also the specific, the sp- the specific aspect of the lyric, I was out on the radio starting to change. Right. Was, is a unique experience in 1996 that as five of us talk on a podcast right now is a much more universal experience in the the 2020s, right? We're on Zooms. We're we're all out on the radio. Yeah, and the social media. Yep. You know, we're all out there and we're all starting, you know, just sitting alone and talking and, and changing in that way. And it's it's interesting how that, to me, that aspect has sort of become even more universal over time. Now that's interesting. And I always had a love for radio and I was on it for a little bit. So I guess that hits a little hard for me. And I was number three. Uh, Jeff, let's go to you. Yeah. Um, well, just echoing everything else, everyone else is saying, um, one of their great songs, I have that number six, but could have been higher um charlie's piano playing i think got to give a little shout out there because it it really you can hear that adam wrote so many of these songs on piano as he does but um you know charlie's piano playing really stands out on this song to me as really part of what's driving the song and it's not just the guitar it's also the piano and and you know Charlie has always been so, you know, kind of the secret weapon of the band musically in some ways. And the MVP. Yeah. yeah and, and you, you know, you really, I mean, he just, he's a doing going to town on this whole album. The other thing that I love about this song is it really is a direct answer to Mr. Jones. And, um, 
you know, where he's talking about wanting to be a star and seeing himself on TV. And then here he's talking about what that experience is like. And so, you know, in some ways he's, he's talking to himself and to this, that song, which was so powerful to those of us who, who fell in love with it. And then you have this theme about memory, all the little things that make up a memory, which memory, of course, hard candy. You have watching him sleep, love to watch him sleep, like in Anna Begins, you know, so it's, again, yeah. sort of calling to all of these other um, songs and, you know, pieces of the the sort of Crow's, you know, lyrics. So, yeah, it's, a, it's to me, it's, again, we talked about the two kind of rockers on the album, this and Angels of the Silences. And to me, I place this one a little bit higher. It's, to me, it's like maybe their best like rocking in a song that they've ever delivered. I love it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, I, Jeff. I was thinking about I had never made this connection before. You're talking about she said she loved to watch me sleep, but he's not sleeping. Because we know that. <laughs> no, that's true. Song. Yeah. He's not sleeping anymore. <laughs> no, that's true. He doesn't he doesn't do that. You know, <laughs> right. so it's just again that sort of loss of of first of who he was. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Zephyr, any uh your take on what we thought was the best song from Recovering the Satellites? Yeah, I I love this song. I'm sounding like a broken record again. This it could be anywhere. I just I it, there's so many good ones. But to me, the coolest thing about this song is all the different variations of it. You know, you've got the album version, and then which is similar to the version on Across a Wire at the Hammerstein Ballroom, just so rocking and so high energy. And then you've got the really stripped down version at Chelsea Studios, which was beautiful. And I think Woodstock '99 was when they introduced the, the middle of the road version. And then there's a show on YouTube from like Amsterdam in 03 where they do that middle of the road version. I feel like they really figured out that arrangement and it's got Emmy's mandolin solo with the distortion on it. It's just so amazing how they can take one song and bring it in so many different directions. And I just think it's a song that, again, like almost all the other songs on this album speaks to people because it, it, it can be about me. It can be about you. It can be about anyone. It's talking about obviously their fame and have you seen me lately compared to where we were um, before we were successful, but it's so, it resonates so much with, with, with anyone and anywhere you're at, and especially where we're at in life these days. And I just think it's another great song. No, great. And, and you're right. We'll see how th things go when we deep dive into the, into the uh, future, uh, the other albums, but um, it, it is kind of nice for me for, for a band that's known for around here in long December, like to see a, a rocker. Have you seen me lately? You know, be one that we kind of thought consensus might be the best song on the album and where he shows a little bit of anger and whatever part two. Um, yeah, I thought it's great. Just as an aside, Jeff, and something I'll think about when re-listening, but I, I, I've said it a hundred times and I'll keep saying it, that I think Charlie's the MVP of the band. I don't think it's a, um, um, a coincidence that he was there from the beginning or almost the beginning. Um, do, I did think in, that his the, the mix in this album, he's not featured at, or you don't notice him as much as in, in the later albums. That it's there, but I think they could have raised him up a little bit on some of the songs on Recovering. That's just my opinion, and I don't know if it was to emphasize the guitar. But I agree with you. With some of these songs, he makes the difference, but it's tough to notice it unless you're listening very closely. Yeah, that's so. a good point. That's a good point. All right. So, hey, thanks for the fans. And we're almost done. We've been going for, you know, a little over two hours, which makes sense. It's such a major album and we've had five uh, people on. Uh, but um, and I'm hoping to have 14 songs on it. 14 songs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and while I hope to have them on again, I do like to end uh, when we have new guests of uh, talking about any, uh, maybe a short personal stories about the crow, the crows. And we'll start with uh, Florida Eric, who said he did have a personal story, I think from interacting with the band at one point. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it was that 97 tour with live, I think at Coral Sky Amphitheater and they opened up their grade and then the crows came on, had the time of my life and, you know, moated over the Elizabeth song or the, what I was going through at the time with that girl. And, and I, I've lived a, I've lived a fun life. So the details are a little bit hazy. Remember, I was 21, so I don't remember the details. But uh, I, I remember at one point, the buddy I went with, he's like, hey, uh, I think the trailer's full around there. Maybe we'll come out and see if they come out or whatever and chat with us or maybe sign an autograph or two or whatever. I'm like, all right. So we just kind of follow. And I guess everybody wanted to get home. There wasn't a big crowd following us around. It was like him and I and like maybe six or seven other people. And we go around the back where the trailers are and, and it's a massive facility. And uh, as a lot of amphitheaters are, we finally found it. We kind of wait outside, big wooden gates, you know, and all of a sudden they open up and Adam comes out. I'm like, holy shit, he's here. This is great. Now you guys have probably met him a million times and like Z, 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 and I'm falling asleep. But to me, it's, it was awesome. You know, and here he is. I just remember him. I don't remember a whole lot. I remember him being quiet. Um, he signed everybody's shirt. I got my tour shirt signed and just, very briefly chatted and went back out back inside and I went home happy and I had my tour shirt and I gave it to that girl that I told you about uh and uh, like six months later like I said in the 90s it was hard to conduct a long distance relationship it's a little bit easier now but um she was uh, a little bit younger than I I was only 21 so a little bit younger and we just wanted different things we broke up she still has my shirt man I want it back it's oh, so she still has a signed man. shirt <laughs> she yeah and, you know it's funny I'm, I'm pretty active on twitter from from sports and, and music or whatever and i see her on there but it's not risk uh, worth risking my marriage even just to ask her that i don't i don't want to so i'll look her up i'll look her up one day. question without risking your marriage i think i'm i think you got to find out if she still got the shirt yeah i mean I, i'm with you man I, i'm with if you you're, if you're on the counting crows podcast and she still has your shirt i'm gonna say that she sounds like mercury to me that's my uh take on it so, uh, okay zephyr do you uh would you want to share a little bit about um any 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 just personal story at all about the crows sure so being a fan of only nine years or so now um, I've only seen them six times. Um, I wanted to go to more shows on this tour than just one, but just couldn't really afford it. But on this tour, because I was sitting front row, I, I'd mentioned this um, in our in our break. Um, it was it was really cool to go to their sound check and kind of see that whole experience. Them, you know, setting their gear up and getting their mixes ready, and them in a different headspace than the show. And after the show, I didn't really think about it, but. I was sitting kind of in front of Dan and between Dan and Adam. And, and normally from what I've seen of their videos on YouTube, they kind of just walk off the stage really quick, but they were kind of hanging around and, and Dan in particular was kind of, you know, he had some guitar picks and I don't know what made me do this, but he started handing out picks and I just like shoved my way up front. I just, I was, I mean, I was maybe, there was a couple people in front of me, but I was just like, I plowed right through, just extended my arm Oh my gosh! It was just Dan, Dan. I want a pick, and I, I I got a pick, and it's framed on my, on 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 my wall. He's one of my biggest guitar idols. So Dan oh, Vickery, great. if you're if you're listening, you are a huge guitar influence of mine, and they really need to uh, teach your methods at uh, Musicians Institute because as much as I love all the other guitar players, he has influenced my playing more than anybody else. So all oh, the plug there. That's great to hear. Zephyr, did you want to plug your YouTube channel or no? Sure, yeah. Um, my YouTube channel is Zephyr Line Music. It's one word, Z-E-P-H-R-Y-L-Y-N-E Music. 
Um, and it just has various stuff. Uh, I've got some original content, some cover content. It's kind of like my online resume. Um, I've done various sessions, like I mentioned, and I'm in a couple of bands. And it's the it's usually the link I send to people I'm new working with. Like, hey, we want to check out your playing. It's kind of like a resume. So there's lots of stuff on there. Um, like I said, walkaways. I um, do a little cover. I'm not really a singer. I'm a guitar player, but I gave it my best shot. So there's a cover of walkaways on there. So go check that out. And um, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Zephyr. It was great having you on the podcast uh, and great to see thank you. you and, great and, and I'm glad I could tell you that you made the Jumbotron. Uh, Florida Eric, also <laughs> great to have you on the uh, the show. Um yeah, I want to almost give a shout out that your Florida State Seminoles are doing well, but but I'm I'm not too happy about that. But that, that's okay. Um, but but by the way, don't be so down on yourself. I've seen them a lot. You had more interaction with Adam than I really have. I've more talked to the other band members. He's kind of interacted with me a little more during the shows, even the last after the YouTube. I after that when he was walking off the stage, I didn't say this, but I, I came down to the front, Zephyr, because people were leaving. You know, because the that was they were playing uh, all the you know. Leaves are brown. What your California dreaming? And uh, and I went down and I gave right before he got off. I gave him this huge wave, and he definitely looked because he's like, "Does this guy know me?" Like the way I waved, he definitely <laughs> thought, and he waved at me back, and then he looked at like, "Wait, I don't know you," and then turned around. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, funny. okay. But uh, I guess if I guess that's about it, uh, Jeff. Any last thoughts? We already plugged your book, so. Uh, well, can I? I want to ask Zephyr just because he mentioned it, and I'm so curious. Uh, since you're a fan of these two bands, is there a connection for you between Rush and the Counting Crows? Do you connect them somehow? Yeah, you know, they're both my number one band. Right. I, I I could not, could not rank one higher than the other. Um, there's something like we talk about when we've talked about all podcasts long with the sincerity with their music and the fact that they were always going to do things their way. They were never like, oh, well, this is popular, so let's start doing that. And if they did something like that, they still did it their way. You know, Rush evolved over the years. I, I think we can all agree Counting Crows has evolved over the years. And they're the types of bands, to make this real streamlined, but to make it very clear, to me, all their albums and all their songs sound, to me, they sound different from each other, but they still sound like the same band. And there's no mistaking it's the same band. It's not like, who's this? It's like, yep, that's Counting Crows. Or, yep, that's Rush. Like, you, you always know. Mm -hmm. And that's just what draws me back. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you. That's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and thanks for listening. And by the way, Florida Eric, thank you. For people wondering how he got on the podcast, he wrote the podcast and said, uh, you know, and just said, hey, I want to be on. I love what you're doing. So I also appreciate uh, everyone listening to the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, Sullivan Street PC at protonmail.com. Uh, email will be in the description. Thank you so much uh, for listening, uh, listening to us talk about recovering the satellites. See you later down Thanks here. Thanks for on, having us. Oh, you're welcome. And we'll see you down here on Sullivan Street. Bye-bye.